usually I like type my notes and I have like just notes and notes and like every Bible verse that I'm going to read, I have typed out. And this today it's like scribble, scrabble. I don't, just for the record, I don't believe that's going to affect the quality of this message. So you don't have to, you don't have to stress out about it just to alleviate any concerns that you guys might have. Um, I'm going to um, share a testimony with you all because that's what we're supposed to do, right? The Lord does something and then we share about it and ask him to do it again, right? So this testimony um, story that I'm going to share starts back at uh, just after Christmas. Uh, my parents were down to visit, which is um, a traditional thing. They do Christmas with my family in Iowa, and then afterwards they come down and celebrate Christmas with you know, the, the Meads that are here in the Carolinas. Um, and this year we had the special surprise of my sister and her two youngest kids showed up, took a flight down. Well, surprise, I guess Ryan was in on the whole time and didn't tell anybody, um, but showed up at my door. We opened the door, my sister standing there, we're like, well, yeah, so it was awesome. All of the siblings were together, um, so we were able to celebrate celebrate Christmas. But then on New Year's Eve, we went out to eat with my parents and my sister, and then came back to our house, and as kind of a New Year's Eve activity, we, we went around and we shared dreams that we had for the year 2019. So we would, you know, somebody would say, well, my dream for this year is such and such, and we'd you know, toast them and say, yes, Lord, amen, right? Just speaking things into this year. And I tell you, I, I hated all of it. I hated every minute of it. I was at this place where I just, and I told them this, I was like, I don't have any hope for this year. This, this is not easy for me, guys, because I don't have any hope. And so it was just, it was, it was kind of awkward. Um, and we were just, we were at a place where I personally was really, really struggling. Um, well, let, let me tell you what happened. So maybe about a month before that, um, looked up in the, you know, the ceiling of our house and see water spots starting to appear in our ceiling. And I was just like, oh no. So I climbed up into the attic and sure enough, there's just water coming in. So discovered that we need to replace our roof. Wasn't anything that there was like a hailstorm. I much would have preferred hailstorm. Knock a big old hole in it, but that's not the way it worked out. And so that means insurance wasn't covering any of it. And we were paying for a brand new roof out of pocket. Had a guy come out to look at it and he told me how much it was going to cost. And I, I, you know, it was bad. I did, I did not handle that news very well. I knew we were going to be able to manage it, but I just, it was going to be, it was going to be crushing. It was going to be basically all consuming for us. And so I went through this process of like, what are the things in my house that I can sell? I started listing stuff on Craigslist and let go. And it's like, you know, if I can sell this for $20, we're $20. That'll pay for like five shingles in reality. But I was like, whatever I can get out of this, I need to because we, we need to find a way to take care of this problem. And so here we are on New Year's Eve talking about our hopes and the dreams for the year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm paying for this new roof. I'm not doing anything that is, you know, there's not going to be anything else this year. There's not going to be any, maybe even next year. Right, I'm thinking forward to 2020 New Year's Eve. I'm going to be in the same place because that's how serious this, this roof replacement issue is going to be. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but I, I think part of my issue 
was that my tendency is to carry things on my own shoulders. Um, I don't know if anybody else feels that same way, but this is my responsibility as the, the husband in this house. I have to take care of this. I have to manage this. I have to deal with this. This is on me. Chrissy, just earmuffs for a second. If you just earmuffs. If I'm also really stubborn. Don't don't tell Christy that. I'm not admitting that in front of her. Um, and so, like, that's something that's hard for me to give up. Like, this is mine. I own this problem. This is on me. You can see how that might create issues, right? Um, and I don't know if that's because, I don't know if it's like my, my Midwestern work ethic, like you just work harder and, and you know, yeah, you manage it and you don't tell anybody. Y'all remember when um, Guy was here a couple weeks ago and he was sharing that thing where he put out all the solo cups. If you weren't here, he did this activity where he put one solo cup down. He's like, this is me when stress happens, like, and he crushed it. And then he went through his life and he like, started naming all the people who had partnered with him through life and put all these cups down. And then when he stepped on all of them, like it held him up. And my takeaway was, from that was, I, I don't have very many cups. You know, I got me and I got Christy, my wife, but I just, I don't share my troubles with other people. Like those are things that internally I hold on to. And I think, again, it's that stubborn, this is, this is something I'm responsible for. It's my burden so I was just in this really bad place of not being able to vision or have dreams or have faith for what might happen in the future. And then Christy shares that her dream for 2019, she said, we're going to pay off the roof and we're going to go on a beach trip. I'm like, that's not, that's not even practical. Like I'm selling, like I'm selling like, random junk around the house for 20 bucks a pop and you want to go on a beach trip? Like bring some sleeping bags or something if you want to go to the beach and we'll sleep on the beach itself. Like what are you talking about? But I said, when it got to my turn, after admitting that this is really hard for me, I said, my dream for 2019 is that we're going to pay off our roof and we're going to go on a beach trip. And I don't know that don't know that I believed it. But faith is a funny thing, folks, because it's not really about what you actually believe, because it has nothing to do with you anyway. You know, I think in the midst of just whatever it is, it's hard to get through tough situations unscathed. I think that's just the reality of being human. And it's hard sometimes to say, yeah, Lord, I see you in the midst of this. I see you working things out. It's going to be all good. Um, so I guess, you know, <laughs> but I think there's value anyway in, in speaking truth regardless of whether or not you actually believe it. I think there's power in that. And um, Sarah was talking about this morning when you were singing that one part, if you don't feel joy, was that what you said, Sarah? Then sing this part. Let's sing this anyway. Let's accept, let's bring this in. Let's usher this in. And I frequently we're up here singing and I love, you know, singing in worship, especially when I feel like I'm a liar. 
Have you ever felt that way when you're singing a worship song? Like the, my favorite example is that song and the, the chorus goes something like, I just can't keep it in. I'm dancing, dancing. And I'm like, I just can't. I'm dancing. You know, because at that point, like inevitably one of the kids is on like on me or like something crazy is going on. And everybody's like, I just can't keep it in. I'm like, I'm dancing. Another one um, that I think is funny is the new Bethel song where the chorus is, and all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good. And I feel a little bit like I'm cheating because I'm, I'm looking back at my sample sets, not that large. You know, like my all my life. You know, I mean, it's true, right? I mean, all my life God's been faithful, but I feel like I can speak that truth into the future as well recognizing that in the twilight, I'll be able to look back and still say that. So I'm fine declaring that now. But I think there's value in um, proclaiming truth, even if you don't believe it. Because the Lord's still good and the Lord can still do awesome stuff. So the testimony, I guess, is that last Sunday, um, we weren't in church because we were on our way to the beach. And we just got back this week, so... The Lord did some things that were outside of anything I could have possibly controlled. The guy who was going to do our roof totally flaked out. Well, we found somebody else and the price was 25% cheaper. So all of a sudden, the cost of replacing this brand new roof became manageable. And then, not like there's nothing that I did but we had two random unexpected sources of income that were outside of my control. So it's not like I went and got another job or something like that to help, you know, I sold all this stuff on eBay. You know, it wasn't even from that. I'm really bad at selling stuff online. I think, I don't know, we, we did not make very much. Um, we sold some stuff, but it wasn't enough to pay for a beach trip. But the Lord did some awesome stuff and worked out this dream that Christy and I had in our heart. Because you know, you all know how the beach is, right? And I know some people like grew up going to the beach every year when they were kids, but Ryan and I are from Iowa. The nearest beach is the same beach that's near to you. It's like a 20 hour drive. We're not going to the beach. You know, so like I remember the first time as an adult when I actually went to the beach on a beach trip, I was 23. But it's amazing. And I just, I don't know. I felt like I desperately needed it. I needed that break. I needed that break from work. I needed that break from just life. I needed it. And I think that's part of why I was so in pain to say, yes, Lord, I believe in this. Because what if it didn't happen? You know, can I speak this dream that I have knowing that it may not work out? But the Lord is so good and he's so faithful. Faith is a funny thing because faith is hard. It's sometimes hard to have faith, even in the midst of knowing, you know, that God, what God's capable of. Oh, let me, this is, I, uh, we went walking out on, we went to Oak Island and there's this place called the point. That's just like this large beach. And I picked up this shell and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take this back and I'm going to put this on my desk at work just as a reminder that God's bigger than my assumptions about what's possible just so I can help, I can help remember that. Um, so fun show and tell. Faith's hard. Even when we know what God's capable of, faith is hard. 
I'm going to um, walk through a story from Matthew that's one of my favorite stories involving the, Jesus interacting with the disciples. And it's after, it happens after the Sermon on the Mount and after Jesus feeds the 5,000 and then there's some more dialogue. And then Jesus is like, I need a break. I'm going to go have a rest up here on the mountain. You guys go ahead and cross over the Sea of Galilee and I'll catch up with you. Like they didn't ask any questions about like, how, how are you going to do that? But they're like, okay, great. So the disciples get in this boat and they start going across the Sea of Galilee at night. Still don't know what their expectations were about Jesus catching up with them. But it's a windy, nasty night. The sea's big enough so that, you know, a big wind brings in some pretty mighty waves. And here comes Jesus walking along the sea. And the disciples are sitting in the boat in the middle of the night. And here comes this dude walking out of the fog. And they're like, it's a ghost. Like, what in the world? Right? Because we would have felt the same way. See something crazy like that happening? And Jesus is like, don't be afraid. It's me. And then uh, Peter's response is, oh, yeah? If it's really you, then let me come out to where you're at. So Jesus is like, cool. Come on out of the boat. Peter gets out of the boat, and Peter starts walking on water. Right? They see Jesus walking on water. Peter gets out and then Peter starts walking on water. And then like the wave shifts, the wind blows a little bit harder. He panics and he goes under. He's like, Jesus, save me. Jesus, who is still standing on top of the water, grabs Peter, pulls him up and puts him into the boat. And then Jesus gets into the boat. And then Jesus calms the storm. Then, at that point, then the disciples say, you really are the son of God. <laughs> like, what, what have you, like, were you not paying attention? I love the disciples. I love that God chose these 12 individuals to be the followers of Jesus because they're bozos. <laughs> they don't have a clue. And I totally relate and I love, I desperately love that God uses people like that to further his kingdom because I feel like I fit into that model. And faith is hard sometimes. Even though I've witnessed times when the Lord has done things outside of my control where he's provided for my family without me having to do anything because I couldn't possibly do anything. There was a time when we were first married and um, I, I quit my job because it was, it was causing some physical issues, but I quit my job. What a bad idea. So here we are newlyweds without an income. And it's like, how, like, I'm an idiot. Like, how am I supposed to provide for my wife? So that was like first moment. I'm the provider, stress all on my shoulders. And there was a time when our friend showed up in the middle of the night and he handed us a check to pay for rent. And there's nothing that I could have done to help the situation. So I know I absolutely 100% know that God can do miraculous things in situations where I have no power or authority. But faith is still hard sometimes. I mean, it's not just, you know, Jesus had just come from feeding 5,000 people with some fish and bread. The disciples were there for that. They witnessed this crazy miraculous event. They see Jesus, who they assume is a ghost, walking on the water towards them. 
Peter gets out and starts walking on the water with Jesus. Then Jesus saves him. And then they come and then they're like, whoa, you really are the son of God. What, what did you think back when he was feeding people with fish and bread? You know, what did you think when he was walking on the water? Like, what? Because faith is hard sometimes. Even though we know what God is capable of, it's hard to, at least for me, to give up control over situations and allow him to be the God that he is. Here's the important thing about faith, though, is that faith is, faith, and I think in its very core, is invitation to participate with the Lord. Because it's, it's just a funny thing to me. Because we don't, we don't actually do anything. Right? I did absolutely zero to save our roof, to pay for our roof. I, 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 just, I couldn't. When we have faith, we're not actually doing anything other than believing what God's already done. But, but, we have to do that. It's the participation that we're invited into. And our Christian walk is founded, our relationship with the Lord, let me say, is founded on participation. From the very beginning, God was invested in us being participants in what he was trying to accomplish. He creates Adam, brings Adam into the garden, invites Adam to start naming the animals. God could have done that, but he invited Adam to participate. I think even in saying, here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're not allowed to eat from it. God was giving us the opportunity to participate through obedience. Just in obeying, we can participate, Lord, in what you want to accomplish. It didn't work out for us. But, you know, that's, there's invitation. And then even, you know, fast forward to Jesus's ministry and then giving the great commission you know, go and baptize in the name. Like it's, it's about participation. It's about what you're doing. You're invited to be a part of this. So even in the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, faith is invitation to participation. So even like John three sixteen, right? So that whoever believes in me, it's very specific, the faith component Or when in Ephesians, when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus to talk about Paul setting up a theology for our salvation, we are saved by grace through faith. It's such a funny thing, though, because we don't actually have to do anything. I can't earn my salvation. I can't get saved. I I can't manage that process but God wants me to participate in it. Even though it's all him, he does it all. He wants me to be able to participate. And so he gives me the opportunity. All you have to do is believe it. And so we get to participate in God's work here on the earth by believing in what he did for us through our faith. But we know faith can be difficult, right? But it's not just then about believing and that's it and we're done. You know, um, Christianity was not designed to be a passive experience. 
It wasn't designed for us to sit back and just receive and not do anything. Christianity is designed for us to be participants. It's about being active. It's about doing. It's about engaging. That's the way that it was designed. That's the way that it's been set up. You know, it's hard sometimes. Um, I've struggled in giving messages like this to the youth group because um, we hear a lot about like Christianity is so easy, you know, at least for very seeker sensitive messages, you don't have to do anything, just believe, like except Jesus come forward for this altar call. There's nothing else you have to do. It's easy. Yes, it's easy. But there's still an active role that you're invited to play in what it means to be a Christian in our Christian walk. So I was talking to high school students about you still have to engage. You still have, well, have to, probably don't lead with that. You still get to engage. You still get to participate. I feel like, um, you know, in Paul's letters, the church is still really young, and so we're working through some basic theology kind of stuff. But then we get to um, the book of James, which is, has some, some big challenges. And, you know, in James chapter 2, um, James, I mean, it's intense. This is chapter 2, 17. Um, oh, I didn't include this other one. I wrote down the wrong one. Anyway, right before this, G, um, James says in his letter, you believe, great. Even the demons believe. What's that mean? Ugh. Like that's, it's kind of a hard, hard word to receive. But then he leads into verse 17, which says, or then he goes in on to explain, faith without works is dead. Mary shared a meme with me yesterday that she said I could share with y'all that deca- decaffeinated coffee is like faith without works. <laughs> which I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't, I don't get decaf coffee. I need, I need my caffeine. So I think that's the, the challenge is how do we engage with activating faith? Let me read through a little bit of um, Hebrews 11. The author of Hebrews who are writing to the Jewish community about what it means to now be a Christian, they lean, whoever the author was, leans a lot into the um, heroes of the faith. That's kind of how he is engaging the Jewish community at the time to tell them more and more about this guy, Jesus, and what it means to be a Christian. So working through, um, I'm just going to paraphrase a bunch and read a little bit, but this is Hebrews chapter 11. He said, by faith, Abel offered to God an acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not do his, uh, see his death. By faith, Noah, warned by God, built this ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out of the place where he lived. By faith, he went to live in a new place. By faith, Sarah herself received and then conceived a child. Um, By faith, Abraham then went to sacrifice Isaac. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob went dying. By faith, Moses. By faith, he starts working through all these heroes of the Old Testament by just by faith. Because they believed and who God was and what he was doing, they were able to act out and do whatever it is that 
they had to do in whatever situation. You know, I don't, I think, um, let's be honest. I don't, I'm not qualified to give this message. This is not like a preaching to the choir thing. This is, I'm, I'm giving this message because this is what I need to hear. Because I have struggles with my capacity to believe what the Lord can do. But I know that this is part of the walk. That my belief then will lead to action. Here's the thing. That's not hard though, church. So I don't want anybody stressed out like, oh my gosh, now I have to go do something. Because the Bible is also very clear that it's not, it's beyond that, right? Um, Paul in the book of Romans says, you know, it's not by works so that nobody can boast. So this isn't a, like you have to do so much. It's just a natural reaction to when you believe who the Lord is, how it pours out of you. And I think that's what James is really getting to is not like checking this box and then checking this box and then checking this box. But if you really, really have faith in who Jesus is, who Jesus is to you, and you know that, you can't help but be different and act different. I believe that Jesus loves me. Then I love other people. Because I can't help. I believe that Jesus died on a cross and forgave me of my sins. So you know what that means? I need to forgive other people when they do things to me. It's just a natural outpouring of what happens when we have a relationship with Jesus. We believe in him. We believe in these things that he's doing, and it can't help but flow out of our lives. It's not necessarily like I, you know, well, okay, now I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus, so now I'm going to go join a monastery. That's going to be my good work. I almost said sorority, and that's... That's something different. So Mackenzie, just because you believe does not mean you have to join a sorority. All right? That's, that's a different conversation. But, you know, it, it, I think it does change who we are as people and how we function, how we treat other people and how we interact. You know, I'm, I'm challenged specifically about faith in action, faith, you know, my faith in the Lord and how that leads me to action in my workplace because I feel like emotionally that's another place that I struggle. Uh, I've been in the same job for seven years, and for most of that seven years, I have not really liked it. I deal with a lot of people who are not easy to deal with, who have sometimes major life problems, and their expectation is that I have a solution for them, like a magical solution, and I don't. And it's like, how do you have a conversation with somebody when they're in a bad spot and there's not a solution? You know, so it's not, it's not necessarily something that I love to do. But I was having this dialogue with um, Brian Summers, if you all know him. David and Robin just left, but their son, Brian. Um, I just outed them. Don't tell them I said that. Um, and he said, you know, Corey, you have opportunity to be Jesus to those people. I was like, I don't, I don't want that responsibility. That, that seems like really weighty. Like that's a lot. Oh, I was not thrilled with the conversation that we had. And then Christy, I told Christy about it. She's like, Corey, it's so true. I was like, okay. 
And then it was, that was, the conversation was on a Saturday, I believe. And the following Friday, this student who I had had a lot of conversations with came in to see me. And he's this uh, street dude from Miami, you know, always wanted to fight people. So many of our conversations were, you can't fight him. Okay, and you know, the language that he used was really rough. This guy comes into my office and he gives me a big hug. He's like, Corey, I'm graduating today. And you know, you have been this campus's savior. You know, but I got, I got what he meant. You know, because to that guy, I was really able to be Jesus to him. And here's the thing. I wasn't trying to do it. It was just a natural outpouring of Jesus loves me. And so how, how else, how can I not treat people that way? How can I not help this guy through a hard time? How can I not pour into him and encourage him in the midst of troubles when that's what Jesus does to me? So I think the, the challenge is being aware that faith leads us to action because church we're participants in this Christian walk. This are part of our journey and we are not on the sidelines, but we get, we get to participate. You know, when I lead, um, when I lead meetings and I pray for the offering, I almost always thank the Lord that he invites us to participate in the offering. Cause that's a great example for me about, I didn't do anything here right? This is provision that the Lord's given to me. I didn't, I didn't earn this. I didn't get this. The Lord put me in a position to provide for my needs. And then he invites me to pour back into what he's doing. Like that blows my mind. What a cool savior we serve who invites us to participate in his kingdom work. And he wouldn't have it any other way. He, here, here's the thing. He could do it all by himself but he chooses not to. He chooses to use, speaking in the New Testament, bozos and bozos. Like that doesn't make any sense. God, you're crazy, but you're so, so good to me. And all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so good. Um, so specifically, I feel like some of us struggle with allowing God to be God. And I don't know, guys, specifically, if that resonated with any of you about the provision thing um, and being able to give up control of family finances and family control because you're the provider of the house. But I think we have the opportunity this morning, honestly, to repent I think that's something that we can, we can take to the Lord and say, Lord, um, you know, forgive me for this because I've held on too tightly to something that's not mine to hold on to. And I think we can, we can repent to the Lord. I think there'll be you know, deliverance for us. And not saying even you're in a bad spot because of that, but that's just, it's not a burden we need bear. So let's not. I also feel like maybe, maybe this is a shot in the dark, but I feel like maybe somebody in here has some OCD tendencies and those tendencies prevent them from being free and allowing the Lord to be who the Lord is in their life. So if that resonates, you know, after we wrap up, we'd love to pray for you. Or I'll, I'll pray for that specifically because I feel like the Lord put that on my heart. But I think that's just another avenue 
where we can be robbed from allowing God to be God in our lives. So let's, let's deal with that. And then I just, um, because this has been on my heart lately, if you struggle with work, you know, if you're in a place where you just hate your job, um, you know, I think that's something that the Lord can change your mind about. Which, you know, I've gone through that, that journey recently. My job changed, uh, not even a lot, but it was just enough that my, my like the switch went off. Actually, I was sitting in church. It was about three weeks ago or so, and I was sitting over here, and I was super, super anxious. And I was really struggling, and I was like, I need pharmaceuticals. I need some pills. What, I mean, like, what, I was thinking through, like, what's the process? Like, okay, I have to get a, I have to go see my doctor. Well, I have to see a specialist because I need a prescription for some stuff. And then I feel like the Lord is like, no, you don't. And like that, my vision cleared. And my anxiety went away, and I felt like I saw things more clearly. And the stress that I had specifically about work went away. And it wasn't, again, It wasn't anything that I did. It wasn't anything that I could control. It was just something that the Lord needed to accomplish. And he did. Can I share another testimony? I'm not sure how this is related, but I'll try and tie it in. Um, And if not, it's okay. So I grew up with really, really, like really bad allergies. So much so that I had polyps all up in my nose couldn't breathe through my nose and I couldn't smell. That was the reality of my life. You know, I, I couldn't, uh, that's just how it was. So I was always like, if I get kidnapped and they put tape over my mouth, I'm going to die. <laughs> like I, I stressed out about that. Like as a high school student, like if I'm ever in a heist, <laughs> you know, like this is going to be, this is going to be bad for me. And then after church one Sunday, back when we were facing the other way and had morning service, you know, had two services we went to morning service and then went to Stacy um, Van Wassenhove's house to watch Panthers game. And my brother Ryan calls up. He's like, hey, hey, man, can you breathe through your nose? No, you jerk. <laughs> like, you, you know I can't breathe through my nose. Like, what a rude thing, like, out of the boot to call me. He's like, no, no. And who was here? Do you remember? Was it? It wasn't Bob Jones, was it? It was somebody like Bob Jones. It was somebody like that who was here praying for healing. And Ryan's like, I see your polyps and they're disappearing. I was like, what? Okay, cool. Like I tried to breathe through my nose. I was like, nope. The next day, um, Christy and I were running down for Charlotte to something. And then I stopped and I was like. (laughs) So I started smacking Christy. I'm like. (laughs) And she was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm breathing through my nose. Because that had not in my, like, I could not remember a time in my life where that had happened. But that week, that week, uh, my son Owen was born. And I was able to pick him up and take a big whiff. And it was like, you know, at any point over the past 26 years, Lord, you could have healed me of my polyps in my nose. But he just picked this time that was just really, really sweet. Just to bless me. 
I know what the Lord is capable of. I know what the Lord can do in the midst of times that are really hard, but I still struggle sometimes believing for it. It almost seems just too much sometimes that the Lord might do, even though I can point, I can say, this is a time in history. This is a time in history. I can talk to my friends and they can do the same thing, but it's hard sometimes folks to pour into having faith in what the Lord's doing. So here's invitation this morning to change our minds about it. And again, I think we can repent. You know, I think that's okay for us to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for not believing in the things that you're doing. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've held on too tightly and I've tried to maintain control of this. Forgive me. You take control of this. You know, I just, I don't know. I, if that's not helpful to anybody, then cool. But I really feel like, you know, there's some people in this room who like, can really receive, receive from that. And if I can get up here and be honest about these places in my life where I struggle because I'm stubborn, like, it's okay. And God can move anyway in the midst of my stubbornness. So thank you, Lord, for that. I'm going to let Ryan come up and um, close this out, okay? Amen. Thank you, Corey. All right, I want to active. We got group participation time. Let's pray together. I want to pray for this repenting thing. If you've been in a place where you feel like you haven't given the Lord permission to be the Lord of your life in a specific area, like Corey was talking about provision for some of us guys, maybe, but maybe that's something else for you. So let me pray corporately for us. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us. Lord, forgive us that we haven't put you first, that we haven't trusted you, that we haven't asked you to help, that we've held on to things too tightly that we thought we should control, that we thought we had to control, that we thought we had to fix, that we had thought we had to make right. Lord, forgive us for that thought. And Lord, we exchange that and say, help. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We invite you to take over that area. We give you control of that area, Lord. And then we say yes to co-labor with you in it. (laughs) We say yes to participate with you in it. So we repent. In that way, Lord, we change our mind. We give you control, and we'll help. We'll walk with you. We'll do what you want us to do. But you're in control. Amen? Amen. Okay, here's the other thing. I want you to think about what you want to have faith for that you've been scared to have faith for. Just think about that for a minute. What is it that you want to have faith for that you have not had faith for? Everybody got it? If you're comfortable, I want you to turn to the person next to you in a minute, and I want you to tell them what that is, and then I invite you as the recipient of that to say yes and amen. It's that activity that we were able to be a part of. I want you to look at that person and say yes and amen. Agree with them in that thing that the Lord has for them. Now, maybe you just changed what you're going to say. Okay, I want you to hold on to that thing, though, that may be too private, and share it with somebody. Maybe it's not the person next to you. Maybe it's a trusted advisor. Maybe it is the person next to you, but now's not the day. Or maybe somebody in the ministry team will come up in a minute 
And maybe you want to share it with that person because maybe it's a little sensitive, okay? So shift something if you need to say it. I want you to turn to that person and say what it is that you want. Let that person say yes and amen, and then let them tell you, and then you can agree with them and say yes and amen. Can we do that for a second? All right, go ahead and participate in that.